Hi, I'm Richard, the founder of 10 Adventures, and this is the 10 Adventures podcast. Each week, we talk to real people about real adventures as they explore this incredible planet we all live on. Welcome back to the 10 Adventures podcast. For my whole life, I've been drawn to wild places with dramatic scenery. And today we're going to talk about a country that combines truly wild places with history, culture, and great food. We're talking about Peru, and here to share his expertise is Paul Cripps, owner of Amazonas Explorer, a boutique tour operator in Cusco. Hi, Paul. Welcome to the podcast. Yeah, hi. Nice to meet you. So first thing, you're British. You're living in Peru. You run a tour operator. Uh, How did this all happen, that you changed your life in and now you're in Peru. I studied a course at university back in the UK called um, Iberian and Latin American Studies. And on my third year, I was given a year abroad uh, and I chose to visit Peru um, against a lot of recommendations because this was back in 1988, which was a fairly rough time for Peru. Um, And I completely fell in love with the place. I was back there in 1990. Um, I happened to take my kayak with me in 1988 and uh, explored the rivers, and, uh, and then I brought a mountain bike out in 1990, and we were exploring the trails, and then I just kept exploring. Um, I traveled around the world, uh, worked as a tour conductor all over um, places like Nepal, Venezuela, Costa Rica, New Zealand, but always coming back to Peru, just fell in love with the place, um, and I settled there in 1996, and I've been living there ever since, and I'm still loving it. I, I just, It's just a great country. You never get bored of it. And what have been some of the changes you've seen as someone who's worked in tourism for, geez, almost 30 years in terms of people that come to Peru? Um, yeah, I would say back in the, in the end of the 80s, uh, it was very much a, a backpacker destination. Um, you had to be careful. There were certain areas you couldn't go to. Um, but I would say since the mid-90s, um, Peru really got its act together um, and it's promoting tourism and uh, it's a it's a safe destination, I would say. Yeah, before it was more aimed at the younger crowd, the the eighteen to thirty year olds. Uh, now everything from we've taken an eighty year old trekking, uh, and we've taken kids from six to seven years old up, and it's a it's a great location for all those people. The accommodation on offer has increased and is so much better. The logistics are better. The safety, um, the food is amazing too. So it's just it's just a good, safe place that you can come and everything will work. So um, yeah, it's it, it's definitely improved in many, many ways. And, and when you talk to people who have just had their first trip to Peru, what's the feedback that, that they say? You know, what are people that have never been there, maybe don't know much about it after they've done a trip? What, like, what's, what's, what do they think? So we always say to clients, um, uh, think of this as your first trip to Peru. Um, because you could come back to Peru like I have been doing literally year after year after year. Um, unfortunately, a lot of people come, tick off the main sites, and then they never come back. There is so much to do in Peru that, that you could spend a lifetime exploring it. I'm, I'm still exploring Cusco. Um, uh, so, yeah, clients come back and they're overawed by the hospitality of the people, the the guides, the quality of the accommodation, the uh, the the way it just all works, and I think also I would say the scenery is to me it's um, and certainly clients that are blown away by how beautiful Peru is. So you talked about just how diverse it is and how much there is to explore. Having been there for geez 
35 years, I think, in your case. So can you maybe, you know, for people who, you know, maybe just know where Peru is on a map, describe the different parts of it so people can kind of understand where maybe the places they might want to go are. Okay, so we have three very distinct regions, uh, starting with the coastal region, and um, I'm literally coming up from the Atacama Desert, the world's driest desert, um, where Lima, the capital, is. Um, Lima has some of the best seafood in the world. It's got the number one restaurant in the world at the moment. It's got amazing ruins. It's got amazing museums. You, you may have heard of the Nazca Lines, the Ballestas Islands. So you've got a whole coastal region. And then you come up into the Andes where you've got um, places like Arequipa, the White City, the, the Colca Canyon, which is one of the world's deepest canyons um, where you can go and see condors. And then up into Cusco and the Sacred Valley, which is where a lot of people come, which is the gateway to Machu Picchu, where you've got activities, everything from trekking to biking to hiking um, to rafting. Um, you've got Lake Titicaca, um, then the Altiplano. Um, and then we've got a whole, th in fact, more than a third of Peru is jungle, is Amazon rainforest, where you've just got amazing wildlife. Um, you've got jaguars, tapirs, capybaras. Um, just some of the best bird life. In fact, we've just won the most number of birds you can see in a day award. Um, so Peru is, it, it's one of these sort of hot spots um, of, it's got a little bit of everything. And so looking at these different regions, what are some of the most popular adventures or you know trips that people undertake in, in Peru? Um, I, I forgot to mention, we also have beach and amazing surfing as well. So if you're into surfing and uh, surfing and seafood, yeah, we've got amazing beach. Um, most popular adventures, obviously, the the hook to Peru is Machu Picchu. I'm pretty sure everyone's heard of that. Um, and that's probably why 99% of the people come to Peru is to see Machu Picchu. But there is so much more to Peru and to explore than just Machu Picchu. Um, a classic way of getting to Machu Picchu, and I think one of the classic treks that we do is called the Inca Trail, and we do a five-day, four-night trek to Machu Picchu, um, which can fit into a beautiful sort of long, long week trip with a bit of exploration of Cusco. Um, if you're into whitewater rafting, um, we have the Rio Aparimac, which is uh, one of the world's deepest canyons, and it's got some of the best whitewater, certainly in South America. We have the Rio Cotahuasi, which is technically the world's deepest canyon, and that's seven days of intense white water. We have amazing mountain biking. We also have amazing e-biking now, and you can you can do anything from full-on extreme downhill mountain biking to long journeys from Lake Titicaca to Cusco to Machu Picchu. And then we have a whole range of cultural tours for people who are looking for, for more gentle adventures, um, could be visits to local communities, learning about weaving. We have a great guy who, who does a whole tour just, just dedicated to potatoes. Um, there's over 4,000 types of potato in Peru. Um, we do ceramic workshops. So there's a little bit of everything. Um, so that, that, those are some of the main trips that we do in Peru. I'm really interested in this Lake Titicaca to Cusco bike tour. Uh, tell me a little bit about that. Those are kind of two magical destinations. I've never heard of heard of a trip like this. And so, so this is a trip we put together a few years ago, and it took us quite a while to work out the route because it's not the main road at all. Um, you you fly into Lake Titicaca. Um, you need to take it very easy for the first couple of days because that's three thousand eight hundred meters um, altitude. So we go and stay with a local community. And then literally from the shores of Lake Titicaca, we cycle off into what's called the Altiplano, the high plain. And we stop at little villages on the way. We camp um, in the middle of nowhere. We go through this amazing canyon. 
Um, um, <clears throat> on the way, my, my business partner has um, amazing alpaca hacienda, and we spend the night surrounded by two to 3,000 alpacas, which is incredible. We go past huge lakes. Um, there's, it's a mix of dirt road. There's a little bit of single track. Um, there's a little bit of road. There's some ruins to visit. Um, and basically each day cycling, and then you end up at uh, a town called Oliente Tambo, which is literally we jump on a train down to Machu Picchu and back to Cusco. So it's a, I think it's a nine-day trip in all, um, but it's an amazing experience, yeah. And people can do that with e-bikes as well? Uh, we're working on how to charge the e-bikes because... Oh, that, yeah, that, that was what I was thinking. I'm like... Uh, <laughs> Uh, yeah, if we take a generator, we you could do you could literally do most of it on an e-bike as well. So that would be an option. Yeah. Uh, what an incredible trip! Uh, you talked a little bit about your know, routes into Machu Picchu. You talked about the Inca Trail. Can you maybe just describe what it's like? I know you know probably everyone has Inca Trail on their bucket list. It's you know one of those ones like the Tour de Mont Blanc, the W in in Chile. That that's there. What does the day by day look like for that trip? Um, if, if there's one bit of advice I can give to to, to your listeners, um, there are various different Inca trails. In fact, there's thousands of Inca trails all over Peru, but the classic Inca trail that comes to Machu Picchu, uh, do it in five days and four nights. Um, there's a lot of companies offering it for one day less. You're probably only going to do Machu Picchu and the Inca trail once in your lifetime. So take your time. Um, day one, um, it, it is quite busy. You do need to book in advance. There are only 500 permits a day. And that includes porters, cooks, and guides. So it's roughly 250 tourists a day get to do the Inca Trail. And there are certain days in 2024 that are already sold out. May, June, July gets very busy. So if you're going to do the Inca Trail book as far in advance as possible, uh, yeah, take it easy on day one. Uh, day two, climbing up through incredible forests. So, well, what is lovely is that the, there are all sorts of different um, areas as you climb up in the mountains, you go up into the high Andes. You drop down into the cloud forest. Day three, you're on old Inca Trail following this route to this incredible ruin. It's called uh, Puyo Patamarca, which is the place above the clouds. Um, here's a little tip. Also, a lot of people say I must get to Machu Picchu to see the sunrise. Um, I've got to say it's nearly always somewhat disappointing. It Very rarely do you get a good sunrise in Machu Picchu, and I really wouldn't bother. The sunrise of the last campsite on the Inca Trail is way better and then on day four, you can hike into Machu Picchu, see the ruins briefly, and then day five, spend the whole day looking around Machu Picchu. It's just a really good trip. And then you need to add on maybe one or two days before to acclimatize. But um, but you can do it. And uh, literally, uh, you can fly in on a Sunday and you can fly out fly out on the, the following Sunday. Um, so it, it, it is a great trek and it is probably one of the... the the classic treks of of the the region. You you don't have to trek to get to Machu Picchu. That's another thing people go th think they have to trek. You do have an option. You can just take a train there and back. Um, and then you can also do what's called the one day kilometer one hundred four Royal Inca Trail, and that doesn't involve any camping. Where you basically get off the train a bit early, and then you hike up about eleven kilometers, and you do the last bit of the of the final day of the Inca Trail, and you hike into Machu Picchu through the Sun Gate spend the night near Machu Picchu and then the following day visit the ruins. And that's doable by just about anyone. I would say we've taken 10-year-olds on that and it's been absolutely fine. You know, on the Inca Trail, accommodations each night, you know, that's always a question. People say, is there a lodge I can stay in? Burst some people's bubbles here, Paul. The Inca Trail, you're, there, there are no lodges. You you have to camp. 
But the camping is very comfortable. We have comfy, uh, they're three-person tents, but we only put two people in them. We have nice, thick, um, inflatable Thermarest mattresses. We provide sleeping bags with thermal liners. They even have pillows. Um, basically, someone knocks on your tent in the morning and brings you a hot cup of tea and a, and a bowl of hot water to have a wash in. You, you get up, you, you wander to the dining tent where you'll have a, a hot breakfast prepared for you. You'll pick up some snacks, grab your bag, fill up with water, and then you set off walking. And all the camp is taken down by the porters and carried and, and, and then set up in time for, for the next camping. So it's, it's, it's pretty luxurious and, and really not that hard. Your job is just to hike and enjoy, enjoy the route. And then we, we stop on the way and we have a full, a full lunch and we can fill up with water. We have snacks. Um, we get into camp about three, four o'clock in the afternoon. Uh, we'll have tea, coffee, popcorn, snacks again. And then we'll have a full three course dinner. So it's, it's, pretty, it's pretty luxurious, but you do have to camp. It's three nights camping. And there are some other uh, incredible trekking trails in the vicinity of Cusco. Do you want to talk about some of those? And just, uh, I think the Inca Trail is great but there's some rugged trails that go to some really beautiful places. If you're looking for the next one up from Machu Picchu, but you still want to go to Machu Picchu, there's an incredible trek, which is called Choque Corral to Machu Picchu. And this is seven days of hiking, and then the eighth day you spend in Machu Picchu. It's a lot tougher. You basically have to descend into a 3,000-meter deep canyon and then climb up the other side. But to give you a, a little bit of the, the statistics, if Machu Picchu gets three to 4,000 people a day... Chucky Corral ruins probably doesn't even get that in a year. Um, so you're literally going to be on your own trekking in the middle of nowhere and you're actually on an Inca trail and then you come out below Machu Picchu and then you catch a train up from Machu Picchu um, uh, up to Machu Picchu and spend the day there. And the funny thing is that most people on who do that trek say the worst day of the trek was the day in Machu Picchu um, because there's so many tourists Another amazing trek that is really worth doing uh, is a trek called Auzangati, which is five days high altitude trekking around the mountains. And then if you're looking for something a bit shorter, we've just developed a new trek. It's called Wakra Pukara, and that's a two-day hike into some Inca ruins. And you'll literally see no one. You'll camp right beside the ruins. You have the whole place to yourself. Uh, so that's spectacular. Um, we have a trek to Laris, which is very good for families because we can actually access all the campsites by by four by four so we can you can really mix it up and make it nice and safe so and there's loads of lovely communities there's hot springs you can trek to as well so there's lots of options there's also a lot of day hikes we do if you don't fancy camping and you can stay in beautiful hotels and then do an amazing hike during the day and enjoy some great food it's funny you mentioned day hikes i'm actually part of a a, a hiking club in cusco on facebook i signed up i don't know during the pandemic just tried to find something and so I'm, you know, every, you know, I check Facebook every couple of days. I see there's a group going out to all these like just stunning day hikes from, from Cusco to the point where it feels like just spending a week in Cusco, enjoying the food and the history of the Sacred Valley. And then, as you say, going out on a few day hikes, you can really explore some beautiful places. That's run by my good friend, Cody DeWitt, who's, um, I, I saw him the other day and we were talking just about, about the hike club and how we can, how we can mix it up a bit. And we do get a lot of inquiries about doing day hikes and stuff but yeah just even like in in Cusco there's some amazing hikes you uh, you tend to get a lot of people who end up just getting on a bus and doing the the standard bus tour and I've got to warn you Cusco does get very busy and we think 2024 is going to be very busy indeed and back in 2019 we were definitely beginning to suffer with a bit of over tourism but with a little bit of thought and a, and a willingness to do to, to to put a pair of boots on and go for a hike 
you can literally, from where all the main ruins are, the next valley over, you, you'll be totally on your own exploring Inca ruins and there'll be no one there. So, yeah, a few days hiking in and around Cusco and the Sacred Valley makes a brilliant trip um, and you can and you can sort of mix and mix it up and, and, and do some culture, have some amazing food uh, and see and meet some really cool people too. I'm really interested. You talk about how Chucky is right next door is great ruins and there's nobody on that trail. I see it here in the Canadian Rockies that, you know, you go to a few places and there'll be hundreds, you know, 500 cars there. You drive five minutes down the road, there's as good a hike or a better hike, and there's two cars. Why do you think, you know, you're right in the center of one of the, you know, uh, epicenters of like over tourism with Machu Picchu, but there's still this incredible stuff nearby. Why do you think people, you know, all do the same thing? I, I think sadly it's it's down to people clicking on TripAdvisor top five things to do in Peru or Instagram and they see the picture of people standing at Rainbow Mountain and they and they don't think beyond that. Um, my advice would be buy a guidebook. Don't believe what the top five things to do because otherwise you'll be doing that. Um, the 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 six to ten things to do are even better and the ten to fifteen are even better than that. Um, I can certainly say burst a few people's bubbles about Rainbow Mountain. Everyone's probably heard of the Rainbow Mountain. Um, here's a fact. There are thousands of Rainbow Mountains all over Peru. Sadly, thanks to global warming, um, the glaciers are melting and Rainbow Mountains are popping up all over the place. If you go to the Rainbow Mountain, you will literally be one of one to 2,000 people and it's hor horrible. But the next valley over you will be no one and you will be seeing an equally good and and fascinating rainbow mountain so yeah open your horizons talk talk to the experts we, we've been doing it for years and that's what we love doing and, and that's what we spend a lot of time is out exploring new routes to work out how to get people off the beaten track yet at the same time you can still visit the main ruins and the mass seas um but just do them slightly out of sync with everyone else um it it really is it, it really is possible to to almost have proof to yourself you know, it's funny. I was in uh, in Japan recently, and I was talking with a guy who actually had a physical guidebook. And I was struggling, like, where do we go? What do you do? You know, you go on a, online, and it's it's thousands of websites. You have no idea if any of it's any good. And this one guy had a guidebook. He said, like, this is helps me like know where to go, know what to do. Uh, at the same time, having a local who can understand what your needs are, because we're all different. You know, I've I've seen lots of temples. I don't want to see as many temples. I want to sample food and and understand, you know, Japanese culture, uh, having a local guide who can understand your needs and then find you those places that are going to be best suited. It's like an art that, you know, we've all, you know, not all of us, but people have, have forgotten just, they go into Google and whatever the top five things are, as you say, in TripAdvisor, that's what they do. And everyone kind of goes to the exact same place, which ruins the experience. Uh, yeah. And, and certainly one thing to say very much in Peru, you, you very much pay for what you get. So if it's really cheap, don't expect very much at all. Um, having a good guide makes completely makes a trip. And we we uh, at Ten Adventures work work with the best guys. In fact, we've got on our books uh, there's a magazine in the UK called Wanderlust, which is a bit like your outside magazine. And that's it. I love it. I I used to live in the UK. I love Wanderlust. You can't buy it here in Canada though. It's such a disappointment. Uh, so in 2016, Ephraim Valius was voted world's best guide. And he works for us. So, um, oh wow! And, uh, if you get a, if you get a chance, and you need to book him way in advance, he's just an amazing character to spend time with. Um, uh, our guides are great to um, 
yeah, spending time with them, having fun. A lot of them come from the adventure background, from the rafting, from the trekking, from the, the biking. And as you say, there's only so many ruins you can see. And certainly with uh, with family trips, for example, kids can only deal with a certain number of ruins per day. Um, so mixing it up and having doing a bit of fun, maybe doing some rafting, uh, maybe jumping on an e-bike, um, uh, maybe jumping on a bike or a stand-up paddleboard, um, that really just puts the adventure back into it. I, th- I think a lot of people come to Peru and they've got this set list, largely from TripAdvisor, and, and we joke that at the end of their holiday, they'll have to go and have a holiday because they've literally just been flat out tick, tick, ticking. I'm hoping that after the pandemic and stuff, people have realized that they've got a bit more time. So my, my advice to people, and I would say one thing that people you asked about what people say is, I wish I'd stayed longer. Fitting in a, an extra half day in the Sacred Valley to stay in a hotel and enjoy the swimming pool and read a book is a really good thing. Spending an extra half day in Cusco and, and having a cappuccino overlooking the plaza or, or doing a cooking course or something like that, it really is the number of people that then who try and take stuff out the free day in Cusco and then when they get to Cusco try and put it back in again is, is, is a joke really. Um, but try and spend a bit more time if you can. And don't try and do the whole of Peru in six days you can't do it concentrate on one little bit and have a good holiday uh, i think that would be my major advice to people i i love how you uh you shared this like slow down enjoy things more and uh when i talk to people who are maybe about to take their first ever you know active or adventure trip i say like what have been the best parts of other trips often they'll talk about oh you know one day we just sat in the park or we just you know we just people watch from a cafe and and as you dig a bit more we develop these trips like we work. We're going to wake up at seven, get in the line for this museum, do this, do this. And we're just rushing around, trying to accomplish all these things every day. And the best part is when you finally just let yourself relax and enjoy yourself. And uh, I know, you know, with myself, I try and do less and less with my family, try and build in the time just to enjoy because a big part of going to any country is getting to see how the local people live having the time to just, you know, enjoy the food and not just be in a bus or a mini cab or, you know, move it around all the time. Cause it's just, it's, it's work versus pleasure and pleasure. As you said, go a bit slower, see a little bit less, but you'll actually enjoy it more and you'll come back totally recharged and reinvigorated because you'll have this great experience, which we travel not to work, but to relax and recharge. And meeting people and spending time with people and, and, and getting those serendipitous moments where you walk over a hill and there's a there's a lady tending her llamas. You can't build that into an itinerary, but if you've got the time, that will make a huge difference. And I, and I think also it, it's worth mentioning, if you just come and do all the science and stuff like that, what are you actually giving back to the to the country that, that you're coming to visit? So spending time with people, learning about the communities, learning about the problems we have here, um, helping out, um, spreading the wealth a bit is is really important. That's something that's been super important to my to my company is is looking at ways to uh, employ as many people as possible in different areas and 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 spread. Yeah, it spreads the knowledge that there's so much to see in Peru. So that, I think that's really important to to try and try and get off the beaten track for me is is super important. We've talked a little bit about all these different options you can do, but what's the best time to visit Peru? You know, there's certain times of the year where it's too hot or too wet. Um, yes, yeah, so, so our season normally kicks off in mid uh, uh, sorry mid March. Um, but it still can be a little bit rainy. So more or less around Easter time is when when the season starts. 
Uh, and and then it goes through May, June, July, August is very busy but popular because it's the dry season. And that was the best time to do the trekking right through till November. We start to have a little bit of rain and right into Christmas, we still run trips over New Year. I would avoid January, February because it can rain quite a lot in the mountains, but you can still visit the coast, for example. So we are an all, a year round destination. And so for those dates, that's mostly for the Cusco Valley or is that even higher up? Like I, I, I believe in, in some parts of northern Peru, it gets so high that there's actually snow in, in the winter when the rainy season comes. Is that correct? Uh, yeah, there, there would be certain times in sort of January, February where you couldn't go hiking in Huaraz and places like that. Or uh, one of the problems is we get we get the odd landslide on roads, so so it's 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 tricky to travel around. So if if you're going to come out in the rainy season, allow an extra couple of days just in case. Um, normally we can we can get you certainly to Machu Picchu pretty much every day of the year if you need to. Uh, the Inca Trail is not open in February; they they, they close it for maintenance. Um, so that's the one month you can't do the Inca Trail. And so if somebody did want to come, you know, outside of the busy season, they want to come in November or December and do the Inca Trail, what would be the biggest difference compared to doing it in peak summer? You might get the odd rain shower, um, but you also will get the advantage of hopefully a few less people. So it will be less busy. It'll be less cold because June, July is the middle of our winter. So it is quite chilly at night. We have beautiful sunny days where you're walking around in shorts and T-shirt but as soon as the sun goes in, you need to reach for your your your, your down jacket. And um, certainly in the winter, it's quite cold. Whereas November, December, it's really quite pleasant all the time. So um, uh, certainly think about coming in the off season, uh, March, April, even into May. It's beautifully green, and it's our orchid season. So on the Inca Trail, you can hike and see amazing orchids. So yeah, the season has uh, used to be May till September. Now it's March till December. Um, so we can pretty much fit anyone in any time. And it's funny, we were talking before we started uh, just about how we're seeing this in a lot of places. You know, seasons are extending, you know, former peak seasons are maybe becoming, you know, no longer peak seasons. And and one thing you mentioned, Peru is a great option if you want to ex- escape, you know, the heat that's been plaguing the Northern Hemisphere. You know, the Northern Hemisphere summer looks south. And there's some great options. And again, Inca Trail will be, you know, really busy in, you know, June, July, August. But you described a few other options that are not going to be anywhere near as busy that you'll be able to get some solitude and have this, you know, beautiful views and not have to deal with 45 C temperatures. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah, certainly. Um, even if you come in June, July, when, when it is busy, if you plan ahead and we work together on, on an itinerary, you can get to places which really are off the beaten track. And you'll still get to see all the main sites as well. And yeah, the weather's really, really pleasant. It's it's, it's very nice to down here. So yeah, come and avoid the the heat of the of the of of northern northern America and 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 come on down. Yeah, it's lovely down here. Now, recently, you know, there's been some political upheaval in Peru. You know, there's been news of of situations. I don't know how recently, but I remember during the pandemic there were some protests. What are things like currently? This season has been, uh, it started off fairly worryingly. We had some protests, um, but they were all over by the 1st of March. We 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 were back up and running uh, our trips from the 1st of March onwards, but sadly, a lot of the damage had been done. And so a lot of people didn't want to come to Peru because they were worried about protests. But I would say we've had this year the quietest year in form of strikes and protests and, and having to make changes. Um, so it's it's all good here at the moment. Um, the political situation is calm. Uh, there are no protests, um, and you can come to Peru 
I would say it's as safe as it has ever been. And it sounds like based on, you know, what's going on this year, that next year could be a really attractive option that it may not be as crowded, you know, as it was, you know, pre-pandemic. Uh, but are there some other tips that you have? So if someone's thinking they want to go to Peru, and we've covered a few of them. What are some uh, tips to maybe escape the crowds that, that might ruin a trip? Plan ahead. Talk to someone about how to avoid the busy. I mean, you still want to go to the main sites and we can get you to Machu Picchu. We can get you to the ruins in Sacred Valley. We can visit Cuzco. But you just need to be prepared to maybe jump off the bus and go for a hike. Um, uh, even if you're coming in peak season, by planning ahead and um, and being open to new ideas, places that you may not have heard of. I mentioned a place called Wakarapukara, which is a, an incredible ruin, which is just coming on to people are beginning to talk about it. Uh, Palcoyo, uh, the Laris Valley instead of the Inca Trail. Um, uh, there are amazing options if you're willing to to explore, like that mountain bike trip that, that we talked about from Lake Titicaca. You'll not see another tourist the whole time until you get to get to the Sacred Valley of Machu Picchu. Um, and even if you do come and you want to do the main sites, um, just, yeah, give yourself an extra day and that way we can plan the itinerary exactly to avoid the busiest times at, at the busiest ruins. Um, and you'll you'll have a you'll have a very pleasant experience. As a local, you have this deep knowledge of Peru, and what do you think is a perfect fourteen day itinerary for someone to to come and and see the sites and also you know have that incredible experience of you know being on your own and having that communion with nature without a thousand people around? Yeah, I'm I'm a bit of an outdoor person, but I would certainly say start maybe with a couple of days in Lima um, to explore the museums have some amazing food and, and visit the, the, the city of the kings, as it's called. And, and then I'd come on up to Cusco, probably go straight to the Sacred Valley for a few days, do the main sites, but maybe do them slightly differently. Jump on an e-bike, um, go for a stand-up paddleboard, visit the salt pans, uh, Maras, Moroi, visit Pisat Ruins, down to Oriente Tambo, and then certainly try and fit in a good trek, um, maybe the Inca Trail or maybe the Laris Valley, or if you're up for something a bit longer like Chucky Corral, um, if you if you like being in the middle of nowhere, a two, three or four day whitewater rafting expedition on the Rio Aparimac is unbelievable. I mean, and you could do that with kids as well. There are certain sections we run. Uh, yeah, jump on a bike, do do a bit of adventure there. Um, I would try and go down to the jungle, spend a few days. The longer you spend in the jungle, the more chance of seeing good wildlife. Um, and you can do that on a on a luxury cruise, or you can do it in an amazing like a jungle lodge um, and go on hikes there. Uh, and then I would consider visiting maybe the Colca Canyon, um, having a couple of days there, um, exploring hot springs, going to look for um, uh, condors, Arequipa. Um, I think that's at least 14 days, maybe Lake Titicaca, um, <laughs> fit in a few days on the beach if you wanted to at the end. Um, yeah, that, that's a good two week trip. So um, that would keep you busy. That's funny. Um, uh, my wife and I, you know, always playing, you know, places where we want to go. And literally we were saying, oh, if we want to take the kids to Peru and we got to about six weeks <laughs> to see everything we wanted to see. Uh, and that didn't go up to the north to Juarez or the Wash. That was just kind of the southern area and into Bolivia for a bit. But there's just so much to see. It really is a spectacular place. And uh, as you said, it's it's the first trip of many for a lot of people because they go there once they realize, oh, I'm going to come back and do a different trek. And I'm going to see a different part of you know, I'm going to go to Lake Titicaca and go go to La Paz and see that part as well. And they kind of just add on and come back again and again. Uh, yeah, I, w I would definitely say, as we say, think of this as your first trip to Peru. Um, 
don't try and do the whole of Prue in, in two weeks. It, it, it's You're not going to do it and you'll end up needing a holiday at the end. Um, uh, also, you know, people people think the Galapagos is near Peru. It's miles away from Peru. You can fit in the Galapagos and the and Peru and Machu Picchu, but to be honest, you're far better off doing the Galapagos really well and doing Peru and Machu Picchu really well rather than trying to do that. And and ditto with Bolivia and La Paz. Um, uh, you, the you, Peru is 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 worth coming just just to explore bits of Peru. And and yeah, don't try and do it all in one in one go. And uh, enjoy it. Find ways to get off the beaten track. Get out into the great open. Look at the beautiful scenery. Have a picnic overlooking a lake. Um, meet some locals. Learn how to do some weaving. Do a ceramic class. Do a cooking course. Um, jump on a raft uh, if you're up for camping. It's um, if if you're up for camping, it, you can definitely get really into the middle of nowhere and just have amazing experiences with amazing people. Uh, and you know, Paul, thanks for coming on the show today to share all this expertise and passion. You know, as you're talking about the experiences, you're smiling. You can hear it in your voice. Uh, your love for the adventure, the the country, the experiences. Uh, and I just want to say thanks for sharing it with all of our listeners. Uh, no, honestly, um, pe- people ask me, when am I going to move back to the UK? And my honest answer is when I get bored and I don't get bored at all. I'm still exploring Cusco. I, I go out of my door and I have an adventure every day and, and I smile and I laugh a lot. And that's one of the, uh, the the best things about Peru. It's just a great place to be, great people to be with um, and just adventures galore. So I, I love it. And, and I encourage as many people to come down. It's safe. Uh, and it's a fascinating place. You, you'll just have an amazing holiday here. Excellent. And I'm going to put some links uh, of the trips Paul discussed in the show notes so you can check out these incredible trips. And with that, thanks for listening to this episode of the 10 Adventures podcast. We'll be back next week to explore the world and hear about more epic adventures. Listen to other episodes of the 10 Adventures podcast on Amazon Music at amazon.com slash 10 adventures.